perceive resilience? Do you perceive it as a trait or as a celebration? That's what I'm going to be talking about as I thread it through this whole series that I've been doing regarding grief. So if you're interested, stay tuned as I talk through somewhat would be considered my documentary of looking at grief from many different vantage points, not just as a grief counselor that I've had the role and responsibility of operating in and days gone by, but as a person, a human being who is very deeply acquainted with grief and the grief healing process. So I hope you will turn in or tune in. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Tune in and join me. If this is your first time, I want to welcome you in to this Soul Care Campfire and let you know that you are right at home. You are in a place where you already belong. You have nothing to prove, girl. And here's what I want to make sure we do first and foremost. I want us to get our headphones on. I tend to speak low. That's just typically what I do. But it might be easier to hear me if you have your headphones on. But it also can become a sanctuary for you where you kind of put everything else, the noise, to the side. Be ready to be a receptive repository so that you can gather in, but then you can release. So you want to be a conduit just as much as a repository. Receive it and then be courageous enough to let go. Choose to experience and let go of expectations for why you're here. Expectations can prevent us from seeing what's right in front of us. Our assumptions color what's really there. Sojourner, I want you to practice looking at yourself. Really look at yourself past who you've been told that you are or who you have believed yourself to be or the part you have played, the roles that you play, the masks that you wear. Let's remove them. Let's remove the prejudgment and critique one layer at a time that normally attach themselves to those very things. Whether you're standing or sitting, with or without a mirror, I want you to pause and trace with your hand a section of your body. Maybe your face, maybe your hand, your arm, your legs, maybe your thighs, maybe your belly, your chest, your shoulder. But what I want you to do is allow your hand to trace your holy temple. Welcome her. Welcome her creator and sustainer. Get a keen sense of your embodiment as you untether yourself and discover aspects 
of drawing in the closeness of who you are and who you are becoming because of who has created you and designed you. It is difficult at times because when we do not notice due to hurry, busyness, avoidance, the lies or dismissal, we will not be attentive to who we really are. And so that, that is where we want to begin. Maybe this is your first time listening to me talk about grief. And so you're not real sure the background of why this series began. This series began as a way for me to document new places of grief in my life and to share it with others, others that I wouldn't necessarily encounter. So I share my process, of course, with my loved ones and my friends, but I was really compelled to share it for those who would be an extended part of my community. And so I want to welcome you into this because it's, it's not an easy process, grief, but it is a healing process. And there are a series of lifelong steps that it takes for wounds to heal and to address. And it varies from person to person. So it also varies from loss to loss. And so what we are offered in grief is an invitation to a healing process, a recovery and resiliency process. Grief is a healing process. And the reason I'm emphasizing that is because within this thing we call grieving is a very noble activity. It is. And resiliency is all throughout that process. But like I stated in my introduction, there is a way to see resiliency that is not very favorable. And I've been discovering that. And so I want to actually explain a little bit about what I have now come to understand about resiliency in these last few months. How to see it a little bit better. You know, it's a, a very, I would say now a household term, very ubiquitous, just like the word authentic and hustle and all of these words that we have that we use. But I want to look at it from a different angle and consider it. So here's the parable that I want to use to just kind of lead into this. Because there is a danger about making resilience into a trait. There is. Because you can quickly move into when you observe somebody or yourself who is overwhelmed, you attribute it to not to the overwhelming nature of the situation, whatever the trauma, the transition or transformation is. 
but you will attribute it to a deficit on their part because they didn't come in with the resiliency. They didn't show up with it. Or you judge yourself for not coming in with the resiliency. So here's the parable. You're walking along the seashore and you see somebody. I want you to picture a person's face. Maybe it's your own. Maybe it's someone else that you know. And they're drowning. They're drowning in their lives. And maybe one person might think, what's wrong with them that they're drowning? Maybe another person that comes by and sees them might say, why did they risk going into the water anyway? And yet another person, and they think it must be a really difficult sea that they live in. And maybe nobody ever taught them to swim. Maybe they've injured their arm and they can't swim. And I want you to consider that parable and the various ways that people can look at a person, a human being, who is struggling in a sea that's pulling them in. Or they're trying to resist being pulled under. And they need help. Now that help can look like different things in different arenas of life when it comes to grief. Seeing a therapist, someone who can counsel you and act as a midwife for you. Friends that are true refuge places and sanctuaries. Resources such as meditation, books, confession, all of these various things. And I'm going to mention one particular resource that I've used recently for my children as they have been walking through the grief of my recent car accident and its effect on me. And it was a very healing thing to do with one another. But on to how this particular scenario works out when we look at resiliency as a trait instead of a celebration. Now maybe you still believe that they can be both. And that's fine if you want to ascribe to that. But the reason why I'm no longer ascribing to resiliency as a trait or a characteristic is because I want to decelerate myself from making the kind of observations, observation that some people have resiliency and some people don't. Instead of looking at the nature of the situation and seeing that that person can be mobilized in that situation to come out resilient even if they didn't go in with that resiliency. So that's the way that I, that's my lens, that's my paradigm now. 
And so the sort of compassion that I want to foster even greater than I have before for myself and for others is about trying to understand the legitimate human experience of myself and others as a way to recover from this resilience as a trait, like even being resilient in the way that I have related to resiliency as a trait. And to get to this place of seeing resilience as a celebration of a particular success without the implication that it implies the failure of somebody else. Now, I mentioned that I went through a healing exercise with my children and my husband. We all sat down and we did this. And it's something that you can consider. And it's called the tangled ball of emotions. And I've heard one other person mention it. And this special person, her name is Barbara Faison, and she has her own podcast. You should check it out. She didn't tell me to say that, but I do believe you should check it out because Barbara, not only does she use the tangled ball of emotions, she uses compassion in the way she reaches out to people. Her podcast is called Why Struggle? So the tangled ball of emotions, you can go online and you can print it out. I use just the black and white because what I want is for each family member to take their own designated color pencil and color in just a portion of whatever portion on the ball of yarn that denotes an emotion to color that in. And each family member would take time and color in the different points. And then when it's done, we have all of these color codes and we begin to talk through these emotions and it opens up and helps to understand that all the emotions can be there in the layers of them as we experience grief and yet not make faulty conclusions that defraud us. This is so important because although emotions and our feelings are very essential I mean, they've been given to us as a gift, but they're not ultimate, and so they see in part. And we're all, of course, looking through different lenses, even the way that we attach ourselves in relationships. It begins to frame the way that we interpret what we're feeling and even why we're feeling it. And so, one of the things that this, to me, offers, to see the distinction that, with regards to resiliency, we can allow all of the emotions, because they're there. But we can even further be invited to explore the depth of our humanity, as it relates to our grief and those around us 
and what it's doing to connect us to greater compassion and faith and hope and love. And so this is for us to be able to engage wherever it is that we are in our grief, no matter if it's grief from transitioning from being employed to now being unemployed, whether it's grief involving a loss of a parent or loved one, or even your pet, your beloved pet, or grief because there are changes that are happening, there are transformations that are occurring. And so it's so multifaceted and the dimensions of our pain are also multifaceted. But thankfully, there's a multifacetedness of grace that comes to address each and every point of our grief. And that's the beautiful thing about grief. It comes accompanied. It's not just coming to us in a vacuum. It's coming as a companion with us, with love and with an assurance that we are going to be okay. And so I want to leave you with this little excerpt of a book called You're Going to Be Okay by Melody Ross. And this little book, 28 pages, is being included in each and every soul care kit for this winter. I'm thankful that I have sold out of them because now I know exactly who the women are that are receiving them. You really are going to be okay. You really are, I promise. Life is a walk that you take every day to learn all sorts of lessons along the way. The best thing to remember, come what may, is that no matter what happens day after day, through twists and turns, you'll find your way and you're going to be okay. You will learn sadness along the way. Your heart might feel like a fallen souffle. Then joy will return in a really big way and you're going to be okay. Podcast with your friends. Jesus is always with your heart. He loves you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.